Hello, curious human. This is Kyle Kesterson, and you're listening to the very first episode of Wonder Where This Goes. It's a podcast that seeks to dig into curiosity, step into the unknown, not take the easy route, and hopefully find what lives behind a question. As I've been wandering the globe as a nomadic adventure seeker, turning into these questions, they bring me to new thresholds, either within myself or in my circumstances around me, and without fail, continues to deliver experiences, tools, and perspectives, and together, they have created more healing, peace, adventure, connection, and freedom in all of the ways I've never known before. And yet, I still feel like I'm just getting started. But that's why I want to share these moments with you, to uncover them together, for you to explore them as I do. What is discovered along this path of curiosity into the unknown can provide either transformative hidden gems that we can take back with us or simply just full of fun stories highlight life being abundant awesome challenging and often quite weird so i'm recording this first episode in a type of harry potter room under the stairs somewhere in rome there's a storm outside so strong it's already blown up in the doors. It's freezing in here, so I'm huddled up in the corner, but it's okay, I'll get through this. If you hear a little background noise, that's what's happening. Okay, rambling done. Let's wander into this burning question. How far am I willing to push it to be shaken to the core? The first time I feel it, it's 1996. I'm in sixth grade, doing my homework with my cousin Devin. We're in the kitchen, both waiting for dinner. (laughs) Devin. He's always been the instigator one. I thought I was the instigator. He has that kind of eruption energy that just comes out in bursts. Just before dinner's about to ding, the table starts jerking and shaking around, making me mess up on my homework. And I yell... Knock it off, Devin. He's quick to reply, in part his own defense, but I think just being the first to realize... Earthquake! Instantly, small. I feel real small. Powerless. Yeah, this first time that I have this feeling of being absolutely in no control over my life. Sure, I'm told what to do and sometimes punished by my parents and teachers... I don't have much control in those circumstances, but even with them, I still argue and challenge and like to think I have some control. This, yeah, this is different. This is a universal presence of authority letting me know I'm only here at the allowance of their forces. And immediately I love it. (laughs) The next earthquake I experience is January 2001. I'm 16 and I just finished up my Photoshop class around 11 a.m. I'm outside on the phone with my mom. In mid-sentence, she yells through the phone. Earthquake! I reply, what? I don't feel a... This time, though, it's this liquid, rolling feeling. Like taking a dip on a roller coaster. You know, like when you drive over a small hill and your stomach just kind of goes... Yeah, that experience wasn't a shock. Now the only excitement I have is now because the classes are canceled. Well, 
that and the ink is still wet on my brand new fake ID I just finished making in class. Uh, the short version of that story is the day ends with me losing my virginity. Ooh. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. That's a story for another time, perhaps. Through the next 17 years of my life, I have countless dreams of earthquakes. You know, I desperately just, I want to be in the next one. I want to feel that again. But I never end up at the right place at the right time. Until November 2017. Bali's been calling my name and here I am for a month-long live-work retreat called Unsettled. For most of the attendees, they're joining because, well, they're unsettled in parts of their life. Perhaps at a crossroads or wanting change, it's a great space for that. I go because I want to keep my life unsettled. New, interesting, challenging. Yeah, and boy, did it. This month takes me into claustrophobic, dark, wet tunnels to ancient rituals where I'm the only outsider with hundreds, even over a thousand locals, to jumping into a pitch black jungle lagoon in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, only to swim under a raging waterfall. There are so many experiences this month that has me strapped into a physical, emotional, sometimes even spiritual roller coaster. It's only the first week into the unsettled trip and I'm awakened in the early morning to the same jarring shaking that I feel in sixth grade. You know, it gives this little twinge of excitement, but it's just there and gone, just like that. I don't even get to let it fully sink in before it goes away. We're being told there's been a lot of activity from Mount Agung, which is the massive local volcano waking up. A couple weeks later, a group of us we went hiking a neighboring volcano in the middle of the night. On my way up, I took my shoes off to get a short Instagram clip of me hiking barefoot, just to be funny mostly. But you know, putting my feet down directly on the cool, moist dirt, it wasn't as bad as I thought. It actually felt pretty good. So I start to wonder, hmm, can I make it all the way up to the top of the volcano barefoot? So each step, Feeling the nuance of the earth beneath me, I'm able to navigate much more intentionally. First of all, preventing any rolling of the ankle on loose rocks, seeing that others are struggling their way up. You know, and it's also effortless to just be here in the present moment. You know, I'm not floating around in my thoughts. I'm here, and I love this feeling. People keep pointing out to me that I'm barefoot, saying, you're crazy in a variety of different languages, but you know, you get the gist. But it's a little bit of that that gives me encouragement to keep going. And yeah, the fuel was needed too, because the further I got up, the more coarse and jagged the volcanic rock got under my feet. And I get to the top just in time for sunrise to catch this epic 360 degree view of the island and a number of very hungry gray macaw monkeys. And there it is. I see Mount Agung sitting right there on the horizon with a tiny stream of steam coming up from the top. Oh, it's active, all right. As I start to head down, I'm about to put on my shoes, and then I wonder, how far can I push it? Where is my breaking point? So I descend with my flesh pressing deeply into the rock. I gotta say, going down is a lot more challenging than going up. This time, I have to commit 
every step, stepping into it. I don't get to shift around, find the safest, most comfortable foothold. And I feel it. Oh, I feel every step. It becomes a real challenge, and this is where I breathe long, slow into each step, and it's all I can do. Yeah, I come so close to breaking a few times, and I'm feeling my feet. They're on fire. They're throbbing. It's the most intense reflexology I've ever experienced. But I'm not quite at breaking. Each step passes before you know it, the earth transitions to pavement. Man, I finished. I made it. All the way up and down. Only to not walk for the next two days. So the Unsettled crew calls an emergency meeting after our volcano hike. And they tell us that Mount Agung has just erupted just 24 hours from when we were there. One day later, we could have witnessed the eruption. Dude, I get so pissed, like actually angry. Not at anyone specifically, but you know, just this like intense FOMO. I had all my camera gear. I was there. One of the locals in our group says that her husband has been on the ground monitoring activity. They're going to do a late night trip tonight. Before I, I filter, I'm like, yeah, could I go? She said, okay, but we got to keep it on the download because, you know, their car's full, which means I get to find a taxi. Someone from the group hears what's going on and wants to come. So that night around midnight, we start negotiating with taxi drivers. Who's going to pick us up at two o'clock in the morning and drive us two and a half hours towards an erupting volcano, then wait for us for about six hours while we shoot and hang out and experience it and then drive us all the way back. Yeah, it wasn't easy, but finally we found a friend of a friend who was willing to do it for about 80 bucks. The alarm blasts a few hours later. We're standing outside getting into the car of a young kid whose whole back is decked out in subwoofers. I'm thinking to myself, well, at least it's late. We'll be able to sleep for the next couple hours. In the first couple minutes, we make one stop and we picked up a friend of his. You know, so he has someone to talk to, keep him company, keep him awake, really. The drive, not comfortable, not quiet. They're talking, they're laughing, and in a language, you know, I can't understand. He's flying around tiny village and jungle roads. I've already at this point been battling the Bali belly stomach bug, so by the time we finally get to where we're going, I hop out the car, go to the side of a building, and start puking. We meet up with our friends, her group, we get into our, the cars and we make our way to the lookout point. Turns out that this epic lookout point is gated and locked. So my friend and I, we get out of the car and we look up. Immediately we notice that the stars, all of the stars in the sky are blazing. I'm talking Milky Way, crystal clear, looking into a three-dimensional infinity starscape. It's one of the brightest nights I've ever seen one of those instantly small feelings. We start walking down the side road, it starts to bend around, and as soon as we make our way around it, there she is, Mount Agung. It's currently just this ominous triangular silhouette sitting on the horizon, but we see the fiery glow of the lava on the rim lighting up the monstrous ash plume rising above it. Un. Unbelievable. It is unlike anything I've ever seen. Immediately so much more than any photo or any video has ever conveyed in terms of presence. And we just stop. 
And in silence, we just take it all in. After a few moments, I begin setting up my tripod and dialing in the settings to shoot. Man, I cannot wait to see how this goes. As I review the shots, I start getting this knot in my stomach. I'm already excited. This is easily some of the most powerful moving photos I've ever taken. And I notice this occasional flash out of the right side of my eye. So I look over and I see this massive storm cloud hovering over the sea, moving in towards the volcano. I throw on my wide angle lens and within three shots, I capture a fat red lightning bolt lighting up the sky and the sea on the right side and the volcano erupting to the left. I I couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it. It's one of my favorite photos I've ever taken. We start hearing some voices behind us and we head back up the hill to see the people peeling back the fence, sneaking into this hole. So we wonder, all right, where does this go? We follow behind. With a little bit of sliding down on the side of a steep hill, we find a great place to just sit and let the rest of the sun come up. And this sunrise, it's emotional. It's a combination of colors coming from the reflection of the sunlit plume, reflecting on the bay water directly in front of us, separated only by a lush jungle hill. And in the hills, like speck of little red and white pieces, little village houses, structures. And of course now, the well-lit giant spewing into the atmosphere. You know, I don't even know how long we sit here in just constant awe. But eventually we come to start talking again and start to wonder, how close can we get? Before you know it, our cars are racing back around the empty jungle roads and we enter into the red zone. Yeah, the red zone is the area immediately within risk of large, deadly falling chunks of debris. Watching the volcano grow and grow as we zig and zag closer to it, the excitement starts to get a bit overwhelming. I pop on Facebook Live to bring as many people along the journey as I can. The best part about this drive near the end is that our driver is blasting old pop rap hits like Bone Thugs and Harmony, Destiny's Child, Coolio, and we feel the vibration of the subwoofers just thumping through us. I'd say it's a mixed bag of emotion at this point, certainly bizarre contrast to the formidable beast in the short distance. We park, we get out, and now Mount Agung takes up our entire field of view. I mean, we have to look up. My drone's wide-angle lens couldn't even get the whole thing to capture it, no matter how high I went. I feel this sensation. My skin is tingling. I'm slightly sweating. I can feel my heart beating through my chest. I mean, this is as real as it gets. Internally, I'm, I'm bordering on the experience of fear, but I'm quick to acknowledge it. And when I acknowledge it, I remind myself, fear is just excitement without the breath. God, I love that quote. Fear and excitement, they share the same part of the brain. And when it builds up, we stop breathing or breathe shallow. And it causes cortisol to just start dumping into our system. That's stress hormone. It makes the little things feel bigger, scarier. So I stop and I just get into a rhythm of this deep inhale, exhale. It really does every time it transforms the fear back into excitement. I look up to see the motion of the ash plume. It's moving in slow motion, almost a psychedelic quality to its movement. 
that's emotionally, even spiritually stirring, yet so oddly peaceful. We walk up to it further through a local's farm to get closer. You know, the other people who live here in the red zone, they didn't leave. This is business as usual. They can't not work. Some of the locals are along with us and they're laughing and doing handstands and taking selfies. We're all having a pretty good time. The farmer of this farm, easily in his 60s, he has this big old school wooden plow with these leather straps attached to these two Indonesian bulls with oddly shaped horns. And I'm just watching, he's floating along. These cows are pulling just effortlessly across the ground and I'm watching it like alchemy transform from hard packed into this light creamy fluff just ready to be planted in. Too curious I find my way over and before I know it he's handing me the reins and smacking the bull. They start pulling me forward and all I have to do is you know keep them on course. (laughs) Yeah I'm all over the place the bull's totally owning me. The farmer's laughing you know he's trying to explain in his language making sounds that I have no idea what they mean, which he gathers, so he starts speaking them slower, thinking that this will help me understand. Yeah, it's all pure comedy. I make one sloppy loop around and hand it back over. And there he goes, floating on. This is truly one of the staple moments of my life, and it happened largely in part of luck. You know, getting to be there at the right time. But the other part, not staying tucked in bed, not turning away, but instead, wondering where it goes. Well, thank you. That wraps up the first episode. I really appreciate you making it to the end of this story. In the show notes, you're going to go ahead and find a link that includes a series of the photos that I mentioned throughout the story, as well as the Facebook Live that took place. If you enjoyed this, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with the people who also might find it fun to hear. Frankly, I'm just at the beginning of this. I'm just trying to figure this thing out. So the goal is to share something that you find worth your attention, which is absolutely precious and amazing. So again, thank you. If you have any ideas on ways that this can improve, how to get this thing out there, things you want to know about, stories to hear, please shoot me a message. You know, and I also share nuggets from each of these trips along with my photos on the Instagrams at Kyle Kesterson. Well, that's it for now. Let me know if you want another episode. Stay curious.